This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Hired.com is offering a new freelancing and contracting offering. They have multiple companies that will provide you with contract opportunities. They cover all the tracking, reporting, and billing for you. They handle all the collections and pre-fund your paycheck. They offer legal, accounting, and tax support. And they'll give you $1,000 when you've been on a contract for 90 days. But with this link, they'll double it to $2,000 instead. Go sign up at Hired.com slash freelancer show. If you're someone who runs your own service-based business, then spending less time on pesky admin tasks means having more time to focus on your client's work, which is why you need to give FreshBooks a try. FreshBooks is the invoicing solution that makes it incredibly simple to create and send invoices, track your time, and manage your expenses. It allows you to quickly see and track the status of your invoices, expenses, and projects, and allows you to keep track of your expense receipts in FreshBooks. For your free 30-day trial, go to freshbooks.com slash freelancers and enter the freelancer show in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. This episode is sponsored by Nerd.us. Do you wish that somebody else would handle all of those operation details when it comes to hosting your client's web applications? Nerd.us is a Ruby on Rails managed hosting designed to make your life easy. They migrate everything for you, and new signups or referrals come with a $100 discount or a referral fee. To sign up, go to freelancershow.com slash nerd. That's freelancershow.com slash N-I-R-D and enter freelancer into the contact form for a discount. This week's episode of the Freelancer Show is brought to you by Earthclass Mail. Earthclass Mail moves your stale mail into the cloud, giving you instant access 24-7 and integrates with the tools and services you use every day. It's crazy that we've moved everything we do for the business over to the digital world, but still need to pick up, sort, and manage physical mail. With Earthclass Mail, you can get all of your mail scanned and accessible online 24-7. You can search your mail, send invoices over to your accounting software, sync important documents into cloud storage, deposit checks, and really just make running your business a whole lot easier. You also get real professional address to share publicly with customers, business partners, and investors. And you'll never need to worry about someone showing up at your door if you run your business from home. Visit freelancershow.com slash mail and you'll get your first month of service free when you sign up. That's freelancershow.com slash mail. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Philip Morgan. Greetings. Jonathan Stark. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we're going to be talking about Micronars and webinars. I know that hey. uh, both of you have done this. I've done a few, not many, and most of mine were actually paid up front for training. So oh, I'm nice. really curious how this fits into a marketing funnel and things like that. So uh, I don't know exactly where we want to start, but maybe one of you can pick this up and kind of lead us in there. Why don't we start with the inventor of the term Micronar, Philip Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. right out of my mouth. <laughs> I Such did, an unfortunate name. We can get into that. That should be, that could be fun. But I, I just mashed up the idea of, you know, a microscopic amount of content and a webinar and came up with the word Micronar and started taking credit for doing so and then found out Someone else had invented it years ago and actually registered the domain micronar.com, I think. What a loser. That, you know, that diminished the <laughs> value of the idea, not in the least. It's a great idea. And so maybe I guess I'll just keep going and sort of introduce it. What if you took the traditional webinar format, which tends to be 45 to 50 minutes of content and at 15 to 10 minutes of Q&A, what if you took that and, and changed the proportions of things so that the content was shorter and the uh, Q&A was longer? That was my idea, and I can't really remember why I came up with it, but I think I just one day had an idea for a presentation about positioning, started sketching it out, and realized that I had about 15 minutes of content, and I thought, this could be a webinar, just 
a slightly different webinar with no pitch at the end and just me answering questions after I get done with the presentation. I did it a couple times and announced it to my own list. And I was really pleased with the results because the content was easy put together and I thought it had a ton of value and it created a, a sort of forum for engaging with people on my list in a different way and in a real-time fashion that was also very beneficial. And I think we could drill into each one of those things, but just to set it up, that's what I think of as as a micro-NAR, just a variation on the webinar concept where I'm not trying to keep people in, entertained for 50 minutes, which if you've never tried to do it, that's a lot harder than it might sound. Yeah, I'll pile on a little bit. If I remember correctly, I think I was around at the dawn of the micro-NAR. And if I remember, <laughs> there was some motivation for you to have more conversation with your list because it generates content on its own. Just asking, it's almost like it's like getting actual frequently asked questions instead of making up your frequently asked <laughs> questions. Yep. And I think you were in the process of finalizing the second book. I, I could be wrong, but I seem to remember it as, you know, your motivation was that you were really looking to make sure that you the way that you were describing things was actually coming across. And if you needed to change your language or explain something more deeply, then better to know now than later. Mm -hmm. I have a, a quick story. I've done hundreds of, maybe, maybe a thousand talks and I'm pre-programmed to talk for 60 minutes. I actually find <laughs> it extremely hard to put together a five minute talk. The hardest talk I ever did was one of those ignite talks for O'Reilly and that is the most I ever practiced for a talk. The slides automatically advance every like 30 seconds or so. You have 20 slides and 30 seconds or whatever the math, 15 seconds each or something. And it was brutal. But the cool thing about it is on the one hand, it's easier because it's less to set up. But on the other hand, I think it forces you to really have a lot of clarity about a single idea, which, you know, what's the, the Einstein quote is something like, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough yet. And I, I believe that strongly. So I think it has, I, so I think the format is super interesting because it forces you to focus down on a single idea. And to me, you know, we're all fans of being, of specializing and becoming an expert and recognized expert in your area because then you become a go-to person and all the marketing just sort of automatically happens uh, much more easily anyway. And being able to drill so far into one question or one point, to me, that's where the light bulb always comes on. That's when you have a revelation and you have like a breakthrough moment. And it's that stuff like that that separates the people who really know what they're talking about and how to communicate it from the people who are just sort of read a bunch of blog posts and have kind of curated a bunch of information, these sort of copycat people. And then the last thing that came up while you were talking about that was, I think it's a Michael Port quote, or maybe it's just floating around in the ether but people don't teach because they're experts. They're experts because they teach. I think that is so true because like I, there are a lot of things I do in coaching where I know how to do something like cold. I didn't, I never knew not how to do it. It's just gut instinct for me to do certain things, but being able to communicate that to an audience, like a bunch of different people who have different constraints and strengths, you have to sometimes communicate it differently for it to actually you have to say it differently for the audience to actually receive it, receive the information. You could say the same thing five different ways and five different people will, you, you might have to say the same thing five different ways to get five people to get it together. So, okay. So all of that was just why I'm so super into this idea of having really short focused, you know, educational, it's like a free workshop or something. 
I can tell you that I've been to a few webinar type things where they were essentially all Q&A and I've been to some that were essentially one long lecture with like five minutes of Q&A at the end because that's all the time there was. And it seemed like both of them worked. It's it's kind of funny if we're talking about micronars versus webinars and, you know, and that kind of thing. It's, you know, I've, I've seen them both work. The ones that I've been to where they were mostly Q&A, though, they got most of the questions ahead of time and then opened it up for questions afterward. That way they had some time to prepare answers to those particular questions. And then there was an overarching topic that obviously you wanted your questions to sort of fall into. I can see the power of being able to educate people that way. And I also see the power of bringing those people in and getting them to join your mailing list or buy a product or something like that. Well, that yeah, that leads into the third kind of webinar that people are familiar with where there really only is 10 minutes of content, but then there's 45 minutes of selling and then <laughs> five minutes for Q&A or none. I, I've sat was, through a half hour of one of those. Oh, I've, I've, I've been where on there was, of these. Where, where there was 10 minutes of instruction, 45 minutes of selling. Right. Like there's one, there's basically the person basically has one clever idea that they could yeah. communicate in a paragraph, but they hammer on the, the problem, the problem, the problem. They talk about the problem that they're about to solve for a half an hour. Yep. And then they belabor the solution as if it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I, then I'm a genius. You can use this <laughs> thing called a pen to draw on your paper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, I mean, is it, sometimes it's good, but man. Yeah, that was very much in the forefront of my mind when I was thinking about doing webinars for myself, because I, I have also participated in a few of those, those just intolerable webinars that are supposedly educational, but really just the longest sales pitch you could possibly construct. Yeah. And, and that was, I, I admit I was kind of reacting against that. So when it came time to announce my first Micronar, I, I kind of really played up the fact that I was not even going to have time to pitch something. Like I, I kind of played it off like it was a, a time constraint, even though I'm the one who invented the time constraint. So it's not really, it was a self-imposed constraint, but I, I was like, sorry, I'm not going to have time to pitch something to you. I hope you'll still come, even though there won't be an agonizing 30 minute pitch at the end of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, the a thing little. is, is that I've been to webinars where they did pitch something at the end, but the ones that really were effective were, I'm going to completely blow your mind. And they did. And then at the end, they're like, here's how you do it. And here's the product I'm selling that does it for you. You know, I think if you kind of graph out the difficulty of preparing for a presentation against the length of the presentation itself, it's, it's sort of what Jonathan was talking about. Doing a, a really good five-minute presentation, it's going to be like, sorry, the graph is going to look like an inverted bell curve. So mm -hmm. the very short presentation is going to be extremely difficult. And the very long presentation is going to be difficult, I think, also in that you've got to make a lot of things coherent with each other and you know, work on the flow and keep people's interest from flagging halfway through. So I, I feel like this 15 minute, you know, Micronar format is, is sort of the sweet spot where the value is still pretty high because of the Q and A primarily and because you're not belaboring a simple idea. And, uh, but the prep time can be pretty low. I've, I think I spent maybe two, three hours putting together the first presentation. It was very easy to, to get ready for. So I, I do want to ask this because, I mean, I've seen it done different ways and I'm curious what you've, both of you have done. And that is, so you don't want to do the webinar where you're doing a 30 minute sales pitch and you don't want to do the webinar where you're 
you know, you're effectively not getting anything out of it. You know, you can at least ask people to join your mailing list or something. But but where do you put it in your sales funnel or sales cycle, and how do you make it effective for that part of it? That is an excellent question. Here's what I see a lot of people doing online: is is it is the mouth of uh, the very mouth of their funnel, meaning the first thing that you might be exposed to uh-huh. as some rando dude on the internet is you'll see a Facebook ad that sends you to a webinar registration. So the webinar is very close to the mouth of the funnel. It's sort of working in concert with paid traffic, like via a Facebook ad, to uh, generate leads. I, I intend to experiment with that. I have not done that yet. I've just been using uh, this Micronar slash webinar as a way to engage with my list, uh, with my email list, and find out what's top of mind for them and just kind of get to know them, really, and also provide value at the same time. So I, th- I think that's certainly a good use for it. I know Blair Ends actually uses it as sort of a revenue engine. And so that's yet another way. And I think we should drill into all of these. But I know Jonathan can speak to more the the lead generation aspect of it because he's done a bit of that. Yes. So I have started doing monthly, I'm calling them webcasts because I think the webinar has a negative connotation as a salesy type of thing. And I feel like webcast sounds a little bit more, I I like to think it sounds a little more educational, but I do make sure to try and make it clear that that's, you know, what it's going to be about. There's going to be lots of times for Q and a, and I have done the, the pay-per-click advertising in Facebook to drive people to a webinar because my goal was to increase the number of people on my list to increase that. So, so the, the top of my funnel, I guess would be the, in this case would be the top of this funnel would be Facebook ads leading to a webinar registration page, which then signs people up for my mailing list and in the mailing list. And so I don't do any selling on the webinar whatsoever. I'm going to briefly mention or briefly link to a service that I provide in the email in some email at some point in the future. So it's about like the softest sell you can possibly imagine. And you know, for the first one, I've only done one so far, but it was, I had, I think it was, I, it's hard to remember now, but I think it was 125 people sign up, something like 50% attendance. And then another, I'm trying to remember the numbers, another 40 or 50 people have registered for it since. So people can attend the live event and participate but the recording remains hosted and people can come back later and watch the video, including the Q&A. So it's cool because it continues to generate traffic and generate signups and very few unsubscribes, very, very low unsubscribe rate, you know, less than a percent, less than 1% for people who get follow-up emails from attending the webinar. So I think that yeah, I've got another one coming up in March. Maybe that'll be my pick. <laughs> But we'll see how the, you know, my goal was different than yours. So Phillips was to engage more conversation. Mine was to get more people on my list. Right. I know that uh, John Lee Dumas did a bunch, I think it was two years ago, like 2014. He, I think he did like 30 or something in a year. I mean, it, it was just like every week or every other week or something. But um, it was to get people in. He was actually at the end pitching them on a product. And mm-hmm. so uh, what would happen is I think people went through his, he had a like a 12-episode podcast about how to do podcasting. And during the process of, he would also be sending them emails and he would be reaching out to them and asking them to come to one of the webinars. And then during the webinar, he would also show them how to make podcasts. 
And then at the end, he would pitch them on Podcaster's Paradise. And he did the same thing with, uh, he has a webinars course that he did it with. And, you know, I don't know how well they converted for him, but I know that for a while there, the majority of his signups were off of those webinars. And, you know, now he's got a recurring revenue base that he can lean on and, and make work. So uh, I know that people fit it in maybe a little bit further down the line where maybe they have some other thing that brings people in. And then at the end, they kind of get push to move on to the next portion of the sales cycle and eventually wind up on a webinar where they are pitched. The things you guys have just said sort of point to the flexibility of webinars as a tool. I think we should also sort of dive into them as a revenue generating tool, not just as a sales tool, but like a direct thing you can monetize. But I wanted to say that they just have this weird power. I'm looking at the lead pages listing of templates. And for those who don't know, Lead Pages allows you to sort their templates based on the conversion rate across, you know, because in most cases, Lead Pages is hosting these templates for you. So they have a lot of visibility into how these perform from a conversion rate perspective. And I just want to clarify the conversion rate on those is people who actually enter their email address to get notified of when the webinar is. This isn't a conversion rate through the webinar to actually purchasing a product. Exactly. Good point. I don't know. What is there's maybe. I don't know, maybe 50 or 70 templates on this page. And the highest performing ones from a conversion rate perspective, like the top six are all for webinars. And I don't know why people so readily sign up to donate an hour of their time to watch a webinar. Uh, I mean, I honestly don't know, except that I think it has something to do with the perception is they're, they're going to learn something valuable that they can't learn any other way. Or maybe it fits their sort of learning style preferences to have a, you know, an audio visual presentation rather than the written word. Those are my two theories about why they're of such interest. But I guess my takeaway is it is something that if you, if you kind of align all the pieces correctly, I think can perform very well from a marketing perspective. And as we've discussed before, from a trust building perspective, which is almost more important than the freaking conversion rate is how many people can you demonstrate that you're highly credible to and to what degree is that going to increase their trust so i i don't know there's something going on with webinars i think it's really interesting yeah it's the next best thing to go attending a conference because yes you don't get any of the physical presence but it's a live event it's there's a group of people that are like-minded at least in this one way it's like a live event but more convenient so obviously pros and cons but you know, I've written like four or five books on software development and they were mostly done in a pre, certainly before the explosion of online video training. And video is just a great way to teach. It's great. So it's just really good. So I think that's the, you know, like what is it compared to what? Like, what are you going to do otherwise? Read a book. You know, it's weird because webinars bridge a nice or they strike a nice balance between passive and active. If you're going to accept Q&A, the person can sit there most of the time, react to your presentation, form opinions and questions, and then get them answered. But it's a perfect balance of laziness versus value. So you can just sit there and watch and maybe not participate. But so like, here's the frustrating thing with recorded video, just like going on YouTube and learning to do stuff is that uh, I'll take karate, for example, because I've been doing that a lot lately. There are a million, there are probably millions of videos of how to do Taekwondo forms or whatever. And when I was a kid in the Stone Ages, 
you would get a book with almost what looked like a contact sheet, if people know what that is. It's just like a bunch of slides on a page, black and white slides that you could barely see. They were about the size of a postage stamp of, you know, the, the animation almost of how to do a move or whatever. And now like video is, it is like a million times better, but in tons of situations, I would pay 50 bucks to be able to ask a question, one specific question about something that they did that doesn't click or doesn't map to my understanding. Like, why did you do that one thing like that? Because I thought, and all the other videos show somebody doing it the other way, but your way looks better. So why'd you do it like that? And to be able to ask that question in the, you know, maybe if I watch 10 videos, maybe I have two questions like this. And the webinar is a perfect thing because I've got the dude. Like, here's the dude. You know, if half of these things were live, then you'd be able to ask that question. And then the really cool thing is a lot of people are going to end up with the same question. So if if you use something like Crowdcast and the people who ask questions, the answers are recorded along with the primary content, then anybody who comes along behind the first person is going to say, or, you know, after the event is going to see these top question, the one that voted to the, you know, was voted to the top because everybody had the same question. Oh, that's the question I was wondering about. And then you click on the thing and the person answers the question. It's a fabulous balance of that sort of like passivity and interactivity. So I think it's going to be big. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think there's a sort of disparity between the real personality of a human being and then the personality they construct for marketing purposes. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. And I think that maybe the live video, although with some webinars, you you never see the host like showing their face on screen. But I think there is a a feeling like you're going to get kind of another layer of insight into who the heck this person is, or maybe you will learn something they Maybe they'll just accidentally say something they would never that would never show up in their book. So yeah, I, there's, a, there's a level of intimacy to it, right? Right. It's just this sort of heightened level of access to their mind, almost. Well, mm-hmm. it's it's like the podcast, right? I mean, I met a whole bunch of people when I went to Netherlands and stuff, and you know, they all looked at me and they're like, "Well, I feel like I know you," and it's <laughs> it's not because I can't put that much personality into a book or something, but they hear my voice, they hear the inflection, they hear the way that I talk to you guys about stuff and they really understand oh okay there's this real dude on the other end with you know real stuff to say and i i feel like i've talked to him i feel like i've kind of had these conversations with him and so i feel like i've gotten to know him yeah i mean i've never met either one of you (laughs) (laughs) if if i ran into it at a restaurant i'd totally be like dude and i'd sit down with you without even asking yeah. Like we totally know each other. I'm not totally. I mean, you know, there's levels, but we know each other well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's over the same. It's a similar kind of medium. I, you know, listeners don't know this, but a lot of times we'll have video going on just so we can see what each other is doing. And I mean, when I was just having that, like preparing to say that, I was like, wait a second, have I met them? <laughs> I could I couldn't even remember if I, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny too, because, you know, when you meet in person, it's different still. I mean, I think I have a different level of relationship with the folks on the JavaScript Jabber podcast because I've met them all in person. But at the same time, you know, you can't do that with everybody. And so the next best thing is they see you standing in front of your standing desk or sitting at your desk uh, with a microphone in front of your face and you're answering their questions. And so it's not, it's not even, I mean, it's kind of a level up from the podcast in a sense that the podcast is recorded conversation that we've already had, but with them, you're actually interacting. They have a question. You can bring them on 
the screen, you know, bring them on screen and talk to them and make sure you understand where they're at. Or you can at least, you know, answer the question that they posted in there or whatever. But you have this level of interaction with them immediately and they get that immediate payoff and they feel like they do have that relationship with you. And you can feel like you have that relationship with them where you've had a conversation, you've talked about what they care about. Mm. Like when I listen to a podcast or even when I'm like on a tear watching karate videos, I don't feel like I'm with someone. I feel like I'm alone, but I'm, that's not my focus. I don't feel like I feel alone. I don't feel lonely. I feel like it's a private thing that I'm doing. But when you're on a webinar and the person on the other end is live, you don't feel alone. You feel like you're right. in a room with someone. Yep. It's funny because we had a conversation in another a chat room about, you know, what's the best way to do actually deliver this stuff. And it, of course, occurred occurred to many people that you could just record the webinar and keep presenting it as if it was live and no one would know. You, you could get caught, I suppose, like there could be a technical glitch. But barring technical glitches, you could do it. And people do do it. I There's know people even, who do it. Yeah, but I can't go there. I'm all about optimizing stuff and automating stuff. And I just couldn't go there because that breaks the contract. Yeah, I was going to say, for me, it's a trust issue. It's... Yeah. Uh, I've presented this as a webinar, which is understood to be live. So mm -hmm. unless I'm telling you this is a recording and I'm going to do Q&A at the end or this is a recording and I'm not even going to be there, I'm going to be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I feel the same way. I, I think we should, at, towards the end of this, kind of dive into some of the specifics so people could you know, do their first webinar maybe after listening to this podcast. There are tools that are specific, like webinar platforms that are specifically designed for that use case of making a fake live webinar using a recording and, uh, you know, kind of simulating that it's live. And it makes me feel icky, like there's something different inside the box than is shown on the, on the packaging. And I think part of that is just because the expectation is it's, it's a live event, man. Don't send me some recording that you could just as easily upload to YouTube. It's a really cheap deception, too. I mean, it is like finding out that you were lied to in that way. And all of a sudden, you felt like you were with a bunch of people and you were having this group experience. And all of a sudden, you're just like, no, dummy, you're by yourself. You're a fool. You are a fool. And I just, ugh, that's a lot of made time. I mean, my, my email campaign is automated. I don't mind doing that. I think it's, uh, I think it's safe to assume that if you're getting <laughs> weekly emails from someone that are, that you signed up for, obviously they're automated, but doing a, that to me, that just crossed the line into Sleesville. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, you always have to ask to, to what end, how, how is that going to benefit you? Is it just going to stuff a few more people in, in the mouth of a funnel that has a very high churn rate or is it, you know, to, to what end are, are you doing that? So I, I guess we're all against that, that concept of uh, sort of faking it. It probably has a positive ROI for people who are presenting those hard sell, really content free webinars where at the end you just get pitched on something. But my, my goal is to engage and answer the questions because that's where I get my own education out of figuring out how to, when someone's having a problem, figuring out how to get them over that problem is extremely valuable to me as someone who's trying to educate people, you know, I, I get paid to educate people. So to become more effective at it by giving a webinar, it would be completely missing the point for me to not be live there answering the questions. That's kind of a major yeah. part of the point for me. 
Yeah, that's that's a business asset for you. Mm-hmm. That new insight or that new skill in answering that particular problem—that's like a business asset that's going right. to pay for itself. I mean, the ROI for you on doing webinars is immense. Doing live webinars, I mean. Yes. Yep. Me too. I mean, you know, I'm developing ideas for content and getting deeper insight into my market's needs. And I, I think that's an excellent reason on its own to do a webinar. Even if you have nothing to sell, <laughs> I think you could make a good case for, for doing webinars. Yeah, it's kind of like the research phone calls that we sometimes advocate, but mm-hmm. to a group instead of to an individual, which scales it up, you know, sort of leverages your effort. And you'll end up with the video after the fact, I think, is also can be used as a valuable asset, maybe as a lead magnet or something. Yeah. So let me throw something out there then. I mean, we've kind of talked around why and how you want to do this. My question is, uh, I've been working on a book, How to Find a Job as a Developer. Incidentally, I'll just put the domain out there and I'll have a landing page up by the time this goes live, but it's getacoderjob.com. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, I'd like to do some webinars, but some of it I just want to do sort of like the Micronaut, right? Where I talk about something for 10 or 15 minutes. You know, it's, you know, understanding the job market or how to put together a good resume or how to... You know, what what do's and don'ts for interviews or something like that. And some of them I want to be a little bit longer form, and I eventually would like to make them as part of sort of a premium package. So there are some webinars that are going to, you know, we'll go into deep depth about how to build your resume or how to get to know the people who are hiring, you know, to increase your chances of getting hired or whatever. And I'd like to put those in there. A lot of that content will be in the book anyway. But do I just treat them as two separate things and make people pay for one and not the other? Or should I do all of them for free and then just not publish the ones I want to sell? Or how how would you approach something like that? I got to say, I would be inclined to do them all for free. And then, you know, if you ever decide to sell some subset of those later, kind of, you know, take them off the market, so to speak, and and then bundle them in your paid product. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's... You know, that's just kind of my bias is to do things the simple, dumb way. I'm a big fan of the simple, dumb way, too. And so I would if if it were me, I would recommend taking the six, maybe six most provocative ideas. Maybe not that many, but the most provocative ideas, the most like the ones that you find the most insightful, the things that people are least likely to think. But once they hear it in retrospect, they'll be like, how did I not think of that? So those real light bulb moment things to set up a webinar for each one of them, present them live. And whether or not you take them down is debatable. I think I probably, whether or not you take them down immediately is debatable. So if you use a platform like Crowdcast, they're, they're going to be up, you know, for as long as Crowdcast is around, but you can also download the video and mm-hmm. you could make them private after the fact, or you could make them paid after the fact. Right. But I wouldn't, if you're, if, if they're going to be a companion to the book, I wouldn't make them paid independently. I would use them, like you said, as the premium package and then have a ultra premium package where someone buys the book. Uh, they also get the videos, which would be the premium package. And then the ultra premium bracket packages that they get um, an hour long phone call with you. Yeah. And have those three offerings. We did the same thing for the independent consulting manual or very something very similar where we recorded roundtables. We had multiple authors, so we recorded roundtables right. with a facilitator on each different topic. I think there were six, maybe Philip remembers. Uh, yeah, but, that sounds about right. Right. So the, the middle tier, which of course is the one that the vast majority of people are going to buy, you know, has the book uh, in multiple formats of something like six hours of video roundtable discussion around the topics in the book, just a swarm of discounts for a bunch of related products. And there was, I think that might have been it. That might have been it. 
And then the ultra premium one included like a phone call with one of the author of your choice. And we've sold, I think, 13 of the, the the top level one and something like 300 of the middle one, Okay, which is more than double the price of the bronze, the lowest level one. Gotcha. So we got just, just tons, tons of sales for the middle option. And it was the amount was more than double. So you get like as many or more people who buy the middle option and it's more than double the price. So you kind of be bananas not to have some kind of you know, three tier system. And I think, so probably if you, you know, to get back to your question, having those bundled in, even if it was in just a convenient format that perhaps I could view more easily offline, then I think that would be a great idea. Uh, Never mind the insight that you would get from doing them, which then you could feed back into the book itself. Yeah. I mean, my plan was basically to do the webinars regardless. And it was just a matter of, do I charge for them or not? But I can definitely see both the value in doing them and allowing as many people as are interested to join in just from the insight and things like you said, but also uh, it allows me to create a little more urgency because I can basically say I have no intention of republishing these for free. So if you want the content without having to pay for it now, this is the only way to get it. That's a good idea. Yeah. And I think that's fair. So when you first mentioned it, I was thinking that you would have the book available and then you were going to use the webinars to promote it. But in fact, what I would do I'm, is, I'm thinking about doing both because I think I might do some micronars that are more focused, but you know, less content and just do Q and a mm-hmm. to promote it. But I could also do the, you know, the full length or half length hour, you know, hour, half an hour worth mm. of content and, and just say, look, you know, this is going to be part of the video package, but you know, the initial recording is free to attend if you want. Mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of, getting into an area I'd hope we would, which is monetizing this. I think there's a couple models like the, the one we, we've been talking about is sort of using them like sawdust that you package up into something else, which I think is a great way to do it. And I see some people directly monetizing things like this. I know uh, Blair Ends does uh, with, I think, some kind of subscription thing that I suspect, suspect Jonathan knows more about. And yep. uh, Alan Weiss does that. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, so. I'm signed up for variations on this from both of them. Blair Ends is like the best deal online. It's like 49 bucks a month for, he, he does one new webinar per month, but it gives you access to the entire back catalog. So if you are, it's he, honestly, it should be twice as much as he's charging, but uh, whatever. I'm glad it's not. Shh, don't tell him that. <laughs> Yes. There's another pattern that I've been seeing lately that scratches the itch that I was talking about with not being able to talk to the karate video people that I've seen Paul Jarvis do and Wes Boss, who has this React for Beginners, this fabulous React for Beginners course that is just videos. Both cases, it's just videos or other static materials. And then they make themselves available either on like a monthly hangout so that all of the people who have purchased the, the static materials, whether it's a book or videos or worksheets, whatever, can get their questions answered. So over time, you've built up all these questions, you've gone through material and you've got these burning questions and you sort of they, they allow you to scratch that itch by, uh, like I said, either jumping into a, a slack room that where the membership is predicated on having purchased the product or a monthly hangout or you know periodic hangout where you get together and, and people jump in and can ask questions so that i feel like it's funny because if we just talk about the concept of live events 
you know, like these live online events that let's let's just generically lump all of them under webinar. They break into very like a lot of different things. Like you could consider it. So in Chuck's case, you could consider you could do them in, before you even finish writing the book to make the book better and to bundle them in as an option for the for the middle tier. Or, and you could do ones after that were will you know forever and ever be public, and at the end you promote the book. So in that sense, you'd be doing them, you'd be monetizing the first batch, but you'd also be using them to make your content better. And then you'd use another version of it to promote the thing in the first place. So it's a kind of hits every part of the business, super flexible. Mm -hmm. One other thing that I've done is I have done one off like one or two hour webinars that people just paid to get access to. So I did. I mean, to me, that's not a webinar. Yeah, it's a, it's a training online training. I mean, I would call that an online training because you can price it differently. Nobody's going to pay for a webinar. Like if you say the word webinar, people have an expectation that it's free. Well, maybe I could have sold more then because I called it a webinar. Yeah. See, to me, uh, to me, a webinar is like a sales presentation. A webcast is a free educational I'm, I'm probably just totally making this up, but <laughs> well, the actual but. topic on GitHub is an hour-long debate over spelling a made-up word. So yeah, yeah so there you go. <laughs> to me, online training—I mean, you just did remote conf. You didn't call that a webinar. You could have, but I that would have been ridiculous. But, eh. That would twelve been ridiculous. webinars right in a row. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> Bye now. I mean, that was a webinar. Basically, uh, yeah. it was a gigantic group gang webinar. Yeah, like the a gang webinar is the same. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, it yeah. was good. But the the thing is, but webinar is the wrong word for it, yes. is my point. And I think that if you're pay, if you're charging somebody a hundred bucks to do pair programming, that's not a webinar. Even though the all of the mechanics are literally exactly the same. It's not a webinar. Yeah. Yeah, while we're on the subject of words, so you see people doing these online summits now, which are like Freelance remote conf on yeah. steroids and crack all at once. And then what did Alan Weiss do? Uh, but it, it's audio only. But it's the same idea. You pay to teleconferences. Teleconferences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a little more antiquated word for the same idea. Yeah. And the online summits really aren't that different from what I've been doing. I've never seen this. What is it? It's There's effectively a remote conference. Okay. Yeah. Just usually with more of everything, really. Yeah. <laughs> You know, maybe different multiple tracks, but it's it's just the exact same idea scaled up a bit. There's one that's you might see promoted now, which is uh, the I don't know email summit. I'll look it up, but don't wait; it's going to take a while for me to look that up. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so just as a, a big picture for a second, if people who are listening sort of subscribe to the notion that working with your you know selling your head, not your hands is a good idea. And I promise you that it is a good idea that the freelancing that you're doing now is something that, you know, if you're doing this sort of traditional notion of freelancing, which is kind of like doing what you're told by the hour, then I would say, take the expertise that you've built up doing that. And you're going to want to transition it into something where you're doing less with your hands and more with your head in the same area of expertise, and hopefully with the same types of, you know, the same audience, the same types of clients that you've been working with. And this sort of, I wish there was a, I wish there was this a more generic, it's like a remote presentation. I wish there was a more generic word than webinar, like a level up from that. But this concept of doing a remote audio video presentation is an extremely good 
bang for the buck type of way to help you make that transition in the variety of ways that we've been talking about. So it's great for actually creating the content. You know, you just put together 15 minutes worth of content or five or 10 minutes worth of content and then do 45 minutes of Q and a, and you're going to have, you'll end up with four hours of content after mm -hmm. doing that. So that, so boom, now all of a sudden you've got like a huge amount of content and then, okay, great. Now you do webinars on each one of those subtopics that emerged. Maybe you put together an ebook. Maybe you do another round of presentations that are free if you're live, but they, you have to pay to see them after the fact. Maybe you turn them into a full video course with Q and a in the course. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of that lately too, where you buy a video course that is videos of a teacher teaching a room full of people so that you get this sort of thing that happens with Crowdcast, but with, I, I suppose, more organization because people have to show up in person. But even though it's static, the questions that come in from the audience are almost always helpful because you're probably having the same questions because the presenter probably missed something. So you get that kind of like group think on the Q&A. Super, super beneficial, super flexible, lots of bang for the buck. And in every situation, if you do it in an ethical kind of way and you're truly your goal is to educate your viewers and yourself, you're going to be moving away from the handwork and more to the headwork because people are going to recognize you as an expert in uh, or an authority on whatever it is that you're focused on. So it's a very, very good thing to do. Yeah, that Creative Live does their classes that way where, you know, it's whoever's teaching is teaching to a room, a fairly small room of people. And it's, it's just fantastic because you do get that um, sort of someone in that audience is going to be a proxy for you and whatever question you have. Email success summit is what I was trying to think of. It'll be over by the time this podcast is live, but it's, you know, 40 speakers, industry thought leaders who will transform the way you think about email. <laughs> anyway. I love thought leaders, leaders, <laughs> leaders, leaders, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> I think we should briefly touch on tools and tactics, uh, yes. maybe as a way to wrap this up, because I'd love for people to walk away from this with like, kind of knowing the basics of what they need to do to, to get started. Yeah. Sure. I know that Jonathan's mentioned Crowdcast a couple of times, and that's what I've used. I will say that I have tried a whole bunch of other ones, and Crowdcast really is the best one that I've been able to find. Uh, we used ClickWebinar before that for the remote conferences, and it was nice, but it was Flash. And after hearing about yet another Flash exploit for the browser, I just couldn't in good conscience use that one. It, it is a really nice system, but anyway... So that's why I switched to Crowdcast. But I've tried Zoom. I've tried, what does it go to webinar? They're just on 24. Like there's, there's a yeah. million of them. I'm a huge fan. Like for people in the audience, and this is straight from Blair Ends, but it's great advice. If you are even remotely considering this, no pun intended, if you are even remotely considering doing this and you have an idea, go to Crowdcast, create a free account, and mm -hmm. just post it. Just post the idea, describe the thing, and now whoops, it's public. Now you got to do it. Pick a date, pick a topic, and put it up there. It's free, and then you can, if you want to drive people to it, you can go to your Twitter account, Facebook, whatever your network networks are, and just post the link. It could not be easier. And Crowdcast is not perfect. It's got you know there are problems with it, but it, it's in terms of minimum viable webinar, then you, you really can't beat it. So just go do it, and there are ways to optimize it. Philip's actually great at optimizing it, so I'll let him talk about that. But my first webcast, I, had, I was very happy with the attendance. It's approaching 200 viewers now, 
and people keep coming every day and I'm doing absolutely zero to promote it. So it's, it's a really good kind of evergreen kind of thing. And if it took me 45 minutes, I'd be surprised to set it up. Yeah. yeah. There's a, a couple other platform choices we could touch on real briefly. There's blab.im. And although it, I think it's not going to have quite the, the interactivity that Crowdcast affords you, Periscope is another option for doing the same kind of thing. So one of those tools is going to work. I think like the rest of you, you guys, I've been least satisfied with the stuff from Citrix and, uh, you know, whoever else, like the bigger players, the more established players, I think have also got the harder to use and more stagnated platforms. I've been super happy with Crowdcast and I picked it because it had this one killer feature, which it, uh, I know Jonathan's going to have a different take on this, but it lets you invite <laughs> uh, participants into the video stream and, you know, Lab.am does that as well. Right. And I just think that's so cool because it just takes that idea that you're interacting live and maxes it out. And that's what drew me to it. And I've not had any of the, you know, many disastrous things that could happen, I suppose, happen when doing this. It, it's worked out okay, but it sure does open up a uh, kind of Pandora's box of like, you never know what's going to happen when someone flips on their video camera. <laughs> um, <For sure. laughs> But it it also kind of, I mean, to be honest, keeps it fun and unpredictable for me. And I'm just hoping one of these days something crazy does happen. Uh, Chat just to, roulette. <laughs> yeah, you can put that on your mailing list. You won't believe what they were wearing or not wearing. <laughs> or not wearing, yeah. You won't believe what happened next. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess that's the takeaway. There's so many things you can do with webinars. And I think you, you'll, if you go out and research, like, how do you do a webinar? You'll probably come away with the idea that it's complicated and hard and it's yeah. not. That's what I want people to walk away from is it's not. I mean, Alan Weiss is kind of further along the technology adoption curve than I would expect someone of, of his vintage to be. <laughs> and like he's, he's now using, I love that. He's now using Periscope to do like these little live broadcasts and it's great it's just the tools don't have to be a barrier i i guess is my point they're getting mature enough that you can just do exactly what jonathan said and be off and running and i think the final fear that people are going to have is like being on stage right because that's that's a pretty common fear and i don't know how to i mean actually the first micronar i did i did i used uh, google hangouts which limited the participation to 14 people plus me because uh, I use a Google Apps account, which gets you 15 total. And that might be a way that people think about starting is invite some people that you know aren't going to heckle you, <laughs> and aren't going <laughs> to, you know, criticize you in a negative way. And maybe start there if the yeah. idea of doing a, a full-blown public uh, webinar is is frightening. Yep. Is there, so I, I don't want to de devolve into a tools conversation in a bad way, because I think that the decision paralysis is very high for this, because people... You see it all the time. Like you see people be like, oh, but what kind of light should I buy? It's kind of dark in my room. It's like, no, just put the page up, put up a page where you can get signups. I don't think Hangouts does that. That's the thing I don't like about Hangouts. Well, that's one of the things I don't like about Hangouts. There's no like, there's no subscript. It's like, yeah. what do you do? So it's kind of like you announce it when you announce it and people either remember or they don't. I, you know, I guess you can set up reminders and drip and stuff, but that's too complicated for what I want people to do. In my opinion, you know, that's, I would say when I, when I'm coaching people on this, I'm like, go to Crowdcast, create a free account and put up a webinar. Yeah. You can make it private, which means that people have to sign up, you know, you can make it. So no, they all have to have sign, to sign up. up. Yeah. There, I mean, there's private and public, but everybody has to everybody sign up. Everybody has to sign in. Yeah. 
But the other thing is, is yeah, I mean, Jonathan, you talked a little bit about, well, what if I don't look good? Well, you turn <laughs> on your webcam and in, you know, Skype, you can actually, I think you can see yourself or you can, on the Mac, you can open up uh, QuickTime and uh, you can actually, you know, prep to record a video, but you can just see how you look. And if you look fine, you look fine. Or just show your slides. Yeah. You can, you can just decide to show your slides and never show your face. Yep. So just don't worry about it. Of all the things out there, Crowdcast is surely one of the easiest. So I highly recommend it. It'll probably, probably be my pick. I've picked it before. But if you sense yourself going down this path of like lighting and how do I connect it with my email thing so it automatic, so my the leads automatically go into drip and do I have to use Zapier and blah, 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 blah. Forget about all that. You can do all of that later. Yep. Just the thing you can't do later is get started. And the way to get started is go to Crowdcast, create an account. I should, I should be getting an affiliate fee. Go to Crowdcast, <laughs> create an account, and post your topic. And boom, share it on social media. If you want, if you want to go nuts, advertise it on Facebook. I, I think the Crowdcast, uh, the pricing on webinar platforms is fairly standardized. There are not a lot of outliers in terms of price, but I will say for folks new to this, you might be surprised. The price is a little higher than what you're used to paying for, you know, your, your free mail chimp account, for, for yeah. example. But just know that the, re- the return on investment of doing it, doing a couple webinars or doing a consistent webinar for once a month, you know, for six months is, I, I guarantee you, you'll get a return on the investment. It's almost impossible not to if you just do it because it's a transformative practice for your business. It's less about actually doing the webinar and more about doing the work of putting on a webinar. That's, to me, the transformative part. I also want to throw in there that uh, a lot of folks that I talk to about doing something like this, I'm like, you know, make a video or do a podcast. And they're like, well, what if I screw up? And with a webinar, you don't have the option of going back and editing later because the thing's live. I mean, if you post it later, you can. But... The people who are showing up are showing up because they expected something and they're rooting for you to give it to them. And so the second you show up and you start demonstrating value, if you trip over your tongue a few times or you skip ahead a couple of slides and have to go back or you have some other technical glitch, people will understand that and they'll come out of it at the same time going, this was a terrific webinar. I got everything I wanted out of it. The the host was very knowledgeable and they won't even remember that you had the little blip in there. So, you know, just go for it. I mean, don't let any of that hold you back. Seconded. Yeah, I I find it much, much, much harder to record with no audience. It's way harder because you feel like, oh, I've got as many do-overs as I want. Yep. And so the perfection, the perfection beast comes in for the attack. And when it's live, there's no, you just forward. Show must go on. You just keep going forward. And that's great practice for a million things. So... I mean, there are definitely people who are probably listening to this be like, there's no way I will ever do this because I know that some people are just not a good fit for this. They much prefer doing writing, that sort of thing. And that's totally cool. But I think a lot of people listening probably are like, yeah, you know, I've got a great topic. I can totally talk about it. You know, if, if that's you, if you know you have something to talk about and you're not like absolutely petrified, like be fine, be nervous. If you're petrified, that's probably it's probably not for you. But if you're nervous, that's no big deal. Just go for it. And like work your way through it. It'll be totally fine because it's true. The audience is pulling for you. They want you to be good. They don't want to waste their time. They don't want you to stink. They want you to be awesome. Yeah. I mean, one one of the core skills that you're building, perhaps without knowing it, is the, the skill of building your own platform. And if there's one thing that's been transformative for my own business, 
over the past year or two, it's, it's been just starting to learn how to do that. Basically creating demand for your services. I mean, I, I could go on a whole rant about this, but it is so worth doing. Yep. It, it feels like we're starting to wind down. Is there any other angle on this that we need to talk about before we get to picks? Trying to think. We really did cover a lot of useful territory. One thing that I'm not sure that we did talk about that I was curious about, Philip, you talked about using it just to, you know, you promote it to your list and then you use it to kind of get uh, feedback or other information. How do you pitch it to your list? And when you do it just to your list, what kind of outcome are you looking for other, you know, beyond just more info? So here's how I do it. I send a broadcast email and I just send one email right now. And I say, here's the next Micronar. I, I show a screenshot of the first slide of the Micronar. I explain the topic. I explain what a Micronar is. And I say, you know, click this link to register. And when they click that link, they get subscribed to a campaign that reminds them Micronar is coming up. T minus 24 hours, T minus one hour. Here's the link to, you know, show up for the Micronar. And my numbers are almost identical to Jonathan's. I get about 100, 120 subscribers when I do that. And about half of those people show up live. And then there's a kind of trickle in afterwards of people showing up for the replay. And what I hope to get out of it is connection with my audience, trust building, so that those who are a little further down the sales funnel will hopefully self-select into paying me money sooner. And just, you know, it's sort of a deeper insight into their world and, and what's hard and scary for them. That's really, at this point, that's all I want to get one out of it. Again, I'll, I'll sort of redeploy these as a, as a list building strategy down the road. But uh, just for some reason, I wanted to start with doing it for my list. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it has been cool. And it's been one of the coolest things that's happened in my business in 2016. Yeah. That, I mean, that was for me just the thing is I, I was wondering, okay, how do I put this to my list so that it is most effective to get people to want to come? And so that that's really helpful. Yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely crank up the, you know, the curiosity angle. I could definitely crank up some kind of urgency by attaching a, you know, offer that only goes out to live attendees or something like that. But I just haven't yet. I'm fine with starting small. And that's really what I've done. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and get to some picks. Jonathan, do you have some picks for us? Well, obviously, I'm going to say Crowdcast. Plus one. <laughs> I couldn't imagine a thing that would make it easier to get started with this. And I think for unless you're utterly petrified of doing something like this, it's a very valuable thing for your business to be doing. So, okay, enough said about that. Uh, the other thing is a post from a blog that I've only recently come across. It's called Wait But Why. It's very popular. I'm probably the last person to hear about it. But the author, I think his name's Ted Urban, but I guess it doesn't matter. Or Tim Urban, he was selected to to a out of out of the blue. He got an email. Could you come and speak at the TED conference? Not a TEDx conference, the real Vancouver TEDx conference. Uh, sorry, the TED conference. And he wrote a post about preparing for that talk, and it's one of the best posts I've ever read that describes the various ways that you can prepare for a talk and the relative risks and rewards of the different ways. So it's everything from winging it to memorizing a script. And it's totally fabulous. And it's extremely self-deprecating and funny. So if you're a, a little bit, if this is new to, to you, and you're like most people, a little bit nervous about getting up in front of people and talking, then uh, you'll absolutely love this. So, you know, obviously, link in the show notes, but uh, TED Talk post from Wait But Why. All right, Philip, do you have some... 
picks for us? Yeah, I do. I have a pick. Sometime last year, my 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro started disappointing me uh, on a regular basis when I was on any kind of video chat. Just the whole rest of the computer would slow to a crawl. And I said, I'm going to solve this. I'm going to get the most expensive computer Apple sells. Um, and I got a six-core Mac Pro. <laughs> so not the most expensive computer, but the most the top end of the line. That turned out to be a little bit of a disappointment. If you join my list, you can find out why. So instead, I got a, uh, after I returned that, I got a 5K 27-inch iMac. And I've got to say, this is one of the best pieces of Apple Apple hardware I've come across in, in the past couple of years. I think it's sort of close to the, their organizational heart as a consumer slash mobile computer company. And um, it's basically a laptop glued to the back of a really nice display and it's been flawless. And what's interesting, I guess, about my perspective on that is that I have two other pretty recent Mac computers to directly compare it against. And it's it's been the more reliable uh, one. So that's my pick is the 27-inch 5K iMac. All right. Uh, I've got a couple of picks. Um, when I do the webinars, I tend to use uh, Keynote. And I like just using images from dreamstime.com for my slides. The other thing that I do with them, if I have time, is I'll actually put them, use WordSwag, which is an app. And uh, so what I do is I get the images off of Dreamstime, and then I use WordSwag to put the, you know, kind of the main idea that I'm talking about on there. Um, I tend to avoid bullet points if I can at all help it. But again, it just helps to convey the idea while I talk about it. And I really have uh, liked what I've gotten from that. So I'll go ahead and put uh, links to both of those in the show notes. Uh, WordSwag is just a nice way of putting text together on your photos in a really classy way. Um, my last pick is I ran across this this morning. Uh, John Lee Dumas posted to Podcasters Paradise this podcast wrap that's on Facebook, and it is freaking hilarious. So uh, I really enjoyed it, and I thought I would share a smile with you folks, especially if you're a podcaster. This is just fun stuff. So anyway, those are my picks. We'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Thank both of you for coming, and we'll catch you all next week. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.